Welcome to the Life and Rhythm Podcast, where we hope to equip rhythm communities to be formed by God, with one another, for the good of others, in the valley as it is in heaven. Welcome back to the Life and Rhythm podcast. I'm here with my friends, Laura and Trevor DeVage. Welcome. That is us. Thank you. It's good to be here. You're in Ohio right now, right? As we're recording this? Yes. Yeah. I'm very much in Ohio right now, as a matter of fact. (laughs) Although it was actually kind of warm today. Yeah, it was like 63. As opposed to all of the snow we had. Wow, that is warm. Good job, Midwest. There's ice and snow still on the ground, but I mean, it's... Details, bro. Yeah. Details. Minor and details. Uh, when do you become Arizonians officially? When do you actually move to Tucson? Uh, well, I'm kind of there a little bit now. I'm there about nine, ten days a month, and then we move out there. June 19th is official full time, right. but we'll be out there early June. So, hey, that's my birthday, bro. June what? 19th. What that's, a great birthday present. Yeah, hey. that's, we actually planned that on purpose. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that was the reason. <laughs> That, that day was picked. So. Yeah, I bet you yeah. did. Yeah, bet. Ch- that's actually why we chose it. We were like, what is yes, Matt Fogel's surprise. birthday? Let's wait till June 19th. Let's do that. <laughs> let's, yeah, let's center our whole world. Um, yeah. So a little backstory. I've known Trevor and Laura since they were engaged. That's true. Yep. That's very and true. And I was a high school student uh, in El Paso, Illinois, and Trevor became a youth pastor in Gridley, Illinois. Yeah. Big old and we, small town. Oh, beautiful Gridley. What glory days were those? Oh, you know? There there's some stories in there, man. <laughs> Why? Right. I, I don't know what ones you've drummed up for tonight, but or today or whenever you're hearing this, but I yeah. I know you've got a, a whole plethora of them that you could tell uh, for sure. Yes. Yes. Let, well, I was gonna sh- yeah, I was gonna share a more serious one that I I didn't know what, I mean, this whole season is about what is the church. Yeah. And I came in, you know, I didn't grow up in the church, but I learned about what is the church and what's the purpose of the church in that youth ministry. Yeah. In Gridley. And I, I was, I was not only told, but you and the other adult leaders there, Carrie and Al and Susan and all the good ones. um, And all the good ones. You created all the good ones. (laughs) You you created a space. (laughs) You created a space for me to uh, live into my gifts as a 15-year-old to uh, not just on a stage lead worship or, I mean, you even gave me opportunity to preach in high school, but more than anything, you you modeled for us that we weren't the church of tomorrow, that we were the church of right then and there. Yeah. We were the church of today, that we were an essential part of the body of Christ, and you called us to be activated. And uh, And yeah, those will always be sweet memories. For me, so thank you. I, I just for for your listeners that don't understand what you just said, um, because I didn't know any better, and I didn't know you couldn't lead a church with a bunch of teenagers in it. And so <laughs> that's right. We had a student leadership team. I had a student preaching team. Like I, yeah, I, we met on a weekly basis. You guys planned service. You guys, uh, we had head of worship volunteer, which was Isaac Hill and you, and uh, which wow. it's just hilarious that mm-hmm. I let you guys run loose. You guys were horrible <laughs> the first week. I was like, you guys are playing. <laughs> 
you guys are leading worship next week. Invite all your yeah. friends. And you guys did. Yeah. And yeah. I, you know what's funny, Matt, is I found the um, the attendance records from the first six months of youth ministry in Gridley. So Man. my first night, there was nine of us in the basement in that um, old, old, musty lawyer's office, I think it was, oh, yeah. downtown was. Gridley. That's right. And uh, that's when we dreamt that first night in that basement. And I was like, next week, we're going back to the church. We're going back to the to the building, the, the, yep. the first United Church of Gridley and the yep. Fellowship Hall. And I was like, and you guys are leading worship and you guys were so jacked about it. And you guys were so bad. Um, we we piled all of our things into Isaac's mom's Astro van. Yeah. The Astro van. Come yeah. on. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And then the next week you guys showed up and we had 35 because you invited That's all right. your friends. And then we went, to, we had like 46 and then we had like 65 and, and just kept like in mm. less than a year. We had over a hundred kids coming to that and it was crazy, man. It was so cool. Um, yeah. So yeah, just some, man, the memories of that place are so crazy. You know, it is, bro. Those are beautiful, beautiful memories. Yeah. And, uh, and so I, I'm curious kind of on that note for you and for, uh, Laura, how has your image of the church been shaped, uh, over those years? Right. So from early on in ministry to now 2022, um, if like, how is it, how has it been formed in your imagination? Like, this is what I kind of thought the church was and and it still is that, but it's it, it's also this today. And how has that been shaped in your imagination? Um, I don't know. You want to you want to start with that? Um, I, I honestly, for me, uh, I didn't know what the church was supposed to look like then. You know what I mean? Like I, I was kind of winging it because every time I read scripture, the church looked like what we were doing. And so, um, you know, you stay in the church long enough, and and it's really easy to get a skewed view of what the church is. Um, you know, and we've had some really, really fresh seasons, but, you know, and you know, I've talked about this since those days, but, you know, while we were growing a youth ministry there, there was some really tough stuff going on behind the scenes, the leadership yeah. and leadership in church can get really messy really quick. Um, you know, and then we, we left there after really after two years and we went to Texas and got to be a part of really healthy ministry. And you were, you were a product of that as well. Um, yeah. and then we came to Ohio and we've had some really, really high highs here and probably some of the lowest lows of my entire ministry life have been here. Um, yeah. but here's what I know is that the beauty of the church is that the church is broken and it's out of the brokenness that God brings beauty. And so for, for me, I, I don't, I still don't know if I have a real accurate picture. The church is evolving every day as far as what it looks like culturally, but I think God's promises are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I, I, I'm, you know, I don't know. You can well, lean into I, that too. And I think that's what is super important, though, as you know, how you grew up as a child and I grew up as a child in church looked very different um, as to our first ministry as to now. And even though the times change, and the church, in a way, morphs and changes with that, as a, in reference to. Um, I don't want to make it sound like it's something for sale as appealing to people, but what hasn't changed is the basic principles of the church is, you know, Bible preaching and, um, you know, giving and serving and praying together. And as long as you have those types of things intact, you can still change throughout the seasons and how that looks as long as that stays the same. And, you know, we've seen that through that, you know, as long, you know, as you have, you know, it based around the Bible and what the Bible teaches, how the church looks like, 
you can still adapt and change um, and still maintain those principles. Yeah, well, it goes back, what yeah. was the adage that uh, methods are many, principles are few, methods always change, principles never do, you know? That's, uh, the principles of scripture just don't change, but the the culture around us, I mean, Jesus to Paul, there was a distinct difference in the culture that they were reaching. Paul was in places reaching yeah, people in a different context, you know what right. I mean? And so when he's, well, I think about Acts 17, where he's walking around the Areopagus and he's like, Hey, an unknown God, I know who that is, you know? And I, I walk, I've been in that same, the Areopagus and walked those same streets today. And it's like, he would preach a completely different way, but this gospel would be the same that he would preach in that city today. So uh, yeah. I just think that the methods, what we did in Gridley, Illinois in 1999, 2000, mm -hmm. 2001, um, God Scouts that you and Adam Negrocki started. Wow. Um, God Scouts. There it is. <laughs> by far. Hashtag God Scouts. That oh, needs to no. be a thing, by the oh, way, if it's not. No. By, by far one of the one of the one of the few things that a student gave me with in my head, I was like, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But you guys want to do it, do it. Um it, but but the reality is you go back to those those years. There's some days that I'm like, Going back to some of those principles, I still do because it was just unleashing people to do what they were gifted at doing. Right. It was just yes. so natural and organic. Yeah. Just it was like church planning real. a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> no, it totally was. You know, yeah. we just didn't know it. That's all. You, you know, we were we were planning a church in a there church. There were no rules. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So let's, can we talk about the principles for a second? Because yeah. uh, I don't want, I mean, we don't have to hit all of them, but you just mentioned one that I think is huge about the essence of the church, that it should, the essence of the church should be about unleashing people, not collecting them. Right. Yeah. Right. That Absolutely. it shouldn't be a holding pin for yeah. believers, but it should be a training ground right. for, for kingdom work. And I felt unleashed to do something as silly as God scouts, which by the way, <laughs> you know, hanging out, <laughs> We just gone to a teen leadership conference at Eastview. Yep. Remember, you took us there, and we wanted and to do something. Mall. You were at the mall. That's how this yes. all came to be. Yes, and we saw this little Boy Scout walking around the mall. We're like, <laughs> we should do something like that, and we should yeah. call ourselves God Scouts. And so, literally, we made up a map of Gridley, Illinois, took it out which of the only had book. how many streets in the, you took in the it back, out of, the back of, the of the phone book. book. It was the grid yeah. of Gridley. Yeah, the grid of the town, and we literally split up. 30 teenagers into teams of two, 15 teams. And we hit every house in the town, awesome. knocked on their door and said, we're, <laughs> <laughs> how can we pray for you? Is there any way that we can serve you? Do you know the good news? Like, do you know about Jesus? I would, and you you got to tell everybody. And That's you guys awesome. had the door shut in your face. You had people yell at you and you had people ask you to come in and pray, pray with them. That's right. Yeah, dude. And um, I felt unleashed. And that, that's the kind of, I think that's one of the principles like you were saying, Laura, that has never changed from early on. Why, why is it the only time that I see Jesus praying all night is when he, you know, he gathers all of his disciples. He spends the whole night in prayer so that he can choose the 12 and then he unleashes them and he sends them out. And it's in the sending that they start to mature and it, it's in the going. It's not a, necessarily a classroom. It's not, hey, let's read these 12 books and make sure you get it right. And then we can send you out. It's no, we're going to do this together. Yeah. We're, you go ahead and go. Go. Absolutely. Do you so what other, what, uh, what other do you remember the name of our mind? student ministry? Do you remember the name of our student ministry? Do I remember? Yes. It was, on your license. it was unfiltered. That's right. You know, and when you're unfiltered, you get unleashed. You know what I mean? It was literally <laughs> Come on, on. 
It was on your license plate, man. That's right. I owned it. <laughs> of his blue all Mustang. In. His blue Mustang. He was all in, man. He was all in. Um, yeah. Well, the, Laura hit a, a lot of the principles. I mean, preaching of the gospel. I mean, yeah. that just that doesn't change. Um, giving to the church. I, we don't like, you know, giving is kind of like a, either, it's either a buzzword or a dirty word in the church, depending on what circle you run in. But I, I, I don't think the church talks about it enough. Well, it's all over the Bible. So, I mean, you can't discount that. That's yeah. definitely That's part right. of it. Yeah, I mean, you've got you've got serving, compelling people to serve, right. to live out the gifts that they've been given. Mm. Um, you know, I I think that the church. I, I just had this conversation in in Tucson like two weeks ago. Is that um, we have got to make the church boring when it comes to leadership? Um, and let me explain what I mean to that. Like, I want to be the most boring leader in America, in the sense of when you when you show up at Pantano, which is the name of the church that we're going to go to. Yeah. Um, that you can literally in less than a hand talk about what we're about, you know, you boom, boom, boom. That's it. Um, because I think we, when I, I think simplicity saves souls and, mm. and, com, and then, but complexity causes confusion, right? So yeah. when you complexify the system of the church as the church grows, it ought to become more simple, not more complex in my opinion. And so we're going back to systems right now and going, okay, we've got a lot of great systems and processes in place. How do we simplify them? Instead yeah. of because when you complexify them, you're the only one that can explain it. And that's called job security because they have to keep you around because you're the only one that can tell them how to wow. do what to do. But people stay in the corral, yeah. the corral of the church instead of being sent out, you know, and, and so, that's honestly, that's one of the biggest principles of global churches that we hear about is they're intentionally simple so that they can reproduce fast. You cannot mm -hmm. reproduce things fast if they're complex. And so let's let's make them really simple so that they can multiply so that they actually believe what Jesus believes about them, which is they can do this. Yep. They're fully yep. equipped with the Holy Spirit to be able to do this. And you, Laura, you and Trevor have hit, hit something that we haven't really talked about in this season, but honestly is probably the thing I gained most from being led by you, Trevor, is how much you loved the word of God. Every time I was around you, you would mention the Bible. You'd, you would talk about some scripture. There was never a sermon that I heard from your mouth that was, hey, I just read this cool book. Let me tell you some principles. It was always rooted in the living and active word of God. And so when I think about what the essence of the church is, it has to do with scripture. If, if it doesn't have to do with scripture, then it's lost its essence. If it's not devoted to the apostles' teaching, if it, if it, if somehow that element is missing, and I remember opening your Bible um, time and time again, I was always curious how you wrote in the in your Bible, and and that's that's how I handle the Word of God now. I more than you taught, and you did teach on we should love the Word of God, but that's something that I caught from just being around you. And so, talk to me, Laura, just about you specifically too. Like, how how do you think the church can treasure? the word of God. What does that look like to not like it, not, oh, I think this is probably important, but rather, how do you treasure it? Even in your own home with your two daughters, like what are, what are some of the rhythms or practices that we can enter into as the church um, well, that, yeah, delight in the word? Well, I mean, first of all, obviously you have to be in the word and, you know, reading it um, to be able to do that. And, you know, I know with you know, my girls and stuff, you know, we'll read and discuss different scriptures and, and things like that. But I think 
at least what I have seen, and you know, I'm not in obviously every church, but I feel like there's a lost, I don't want to say it's a lost practice to everyone, but just memorizing scripture. Wow. Like I, I just, I'm not seeing that as much. And I think that's, that's too bad in a way because I, I memorized growing up in church. Um, I had Margaret, the, this woman was my Sunday school teacher forever. Her name was really Margaret. Her name was Margaret. Every church has a Margaret. And she was old always. Like (laughs) she was old. You know what I mean though? Like when I was little, she was old. And as I got older, she was still old. Like she was always old. Like, you know, and I always knew her as being an older woman. But this woman knew scripture and Mm. made us memorize it. And I know scripture today because I memorized it when I was a child. Like those, those scriptures. And that that's so much on how you, you treasure it because, you know, the word I've hid in my heart, so I might not sin against thee. But I mean, we have to hide that in ourselves. And when we have the word in us, that's how we make choices. That's how we, you know, it's the overflow of us. It's overflowing from our hearts, you know, when that's what our hearts are full of. And so if we're not in the word, if we're not memorizing the word, then we're missing a huge part of that. And, um, you know, I'm not a child in Sunday school these days, so I don't know how much scripture memorization they do. Um, but we don't do it as adults. Do no. do we think about that? Like, I mean, that's not a practice that we're like impressing upon very much. Well, that's... You know, we, we go to, you know, church on Sundays and we hear and, you know, the scriptures are up on the screens, but it's not pressed in us to do that memorization and to, yeah. to hold on to that. And I think that's something we're missing a little bit, but um, I think that's super important. Well, I think that's what I yeah. loved about Mark Moore's Core 52 is that uh, we were the beta church for that here in Ohio when Mark launched that. And such uh, a good resource. Basically, yeah. he wrote it for biblical illiteracy that was going on in the country, right? And um, and if you go through the full Core 52, use the website, use every, like there's scripture to memorize every week. And we did that as an executive team. And, you you know, you look at that and you go, I, I would agree. Like we don't, there's something that we lose as adults. You, you know, the innocence of a child, Jesus says to, to have the innocence of a child, yet somewhere we lose that. Um, mm. and I'll, I'll brag on Laura with the girls too. I mean, like every night there's a, like, I'm laying in bed, just chilling, waiting for her to come to bed. And like, she's yeah. getting ready for bed, which she does every night, but, um, just not her getting ready for bed. It's her, I can hear her in the other room with our girls still. I mean, yeah. at 17 and 15, I'm praying, wow. going through scripture, like all of those things. And so yes. there's, there's this rhythm of, like they know, like I've got full confidence that when they're not in my house, they'll be dumb because I was dumb yeah. when I got out of my parents' house too. But they may be dumb while they're in my house. Actually, one just walked through my kitchen. So, I mean, one may, <laughs> they may be doing dumb stuff right now, but I know at their very core, their very core is the word of God. At their very core. Yeah. If you go into Ella's room or Natalie's room, they've got, that's our daughters, by the way. They've got, um, I forget, we're not just having a conversation. Those are actually our daughters. <laughs> People are listening to this. Um, but they've actually got scripture written on post-it notes on their doors. And yeah. Natalie, our youngest, like she goes and buys Bibles for her friends. And it, it, like, she understood, like when she was little, yeah. she was doing that. She was like, I need to buy a Bible for a friend. I can't tell you how many Bibles I stole from the church to give to friends because they needed a Bible. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and she was telling them they needed the word of God. So yeah. um, I think there's something, there's a layer there 
that's probably deeper than just this podcast, you know? Maybe yeah, it's for sure. They don't get prizes for memorizing verses. <laughs> Maybe that's it. <laughs> Maybe we need to give out candy. Yeah, you do. <laughs> Let's do that on Sunday mornings for adults. Jeez. You know, you, you know, you get a beer if you memorize scripture. Five dollar right. gift yeah. card. Get a bottle yeah, of wine. Yeah, whatever you need. Yeah. Whatever you need. Give out mimosas. Mimosas yeah. for Matthew. You know, whatever. All those kind of things. So, oh, please, yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, we're onto something. We're onto something. <laughs> You you said something that really captures my imagination, Laura. You said the word overflow earlier, that if we hide it in our hearts, it becomes the overflow. When I think right. about the purpose of the church, not only what the church is, but what the church is for, um, it's meant to exist for the good of others. I was just right. reading this quote uh, by William Temple, who's like the Archbishop of uh, Canterbury. He said, the church is the only society on earth that exists for those who are not its members. I like that. Like hey, that, read that again. Hold on. You need to read that again because your yeah. listeners are going to miss that. Come on. And the preacher in me is like, no, 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 let that marinate. Say Go back again. to that. Go back. <laughs> Say, read that again, dude. I, I think yeah, you need to read that you again. Got it. You got it. The church is the only society on earth that exists for those who are not its members. I mean, that, that in essence is the church. I mean, that, that's what that's my first message at Pantano a month ago was that we're to go and make, not sit and take. Wow. Um, yeah. You know, and, and this last week is that until you fully surrender, you can't be fully free to help free others, you know? And so um, the, the whole business of the church is to go after people that aren't a part of it. That's yes. the whole business of it. Um, yeah. You know, you don't see the Rotary Club out there going, hey, hey, we got to go evangelize pretty people to the Rotary <laughs> Club, you know? I mean... <laughs> But that's how we treat the church sometimes, like the Rotary Club, more than like the church. You yeah, know? more than the family it is. Yeah. Yeah, I just think if, if it's not from a place of overflow, like you both are talking about, we become almost used car salesmen for the kingdom. Hey, yeah. I don't own this thing, but I want you to buy it. Yeah. I, yeah. I, want you to, I want you to experience I'm not really experiencing it right now. And I, I had a dad not too long ago ask me, Matt, I want to have that nightly time with my kids. I just don't have time to prepare one more thing for my kids. Like he was basically saying, I'm so busy. I'm tired. At the end of the day, I, I don't want to grab another devotional, kids devotional, and just read it to my kids. And and my challenge to him was, bro, why don't you just share with them what's what's already going on in your heart? Like what, the scripture that you're memorizing in the morning, the things that I know you're doing, like you already have that time. He, he's a police officer in Phoenix. And I was like, bro, I know that you're creating time daily, sometimes only 10 minutes, but you don't have to create some other thing for your kids. As a matter right. of fact, probably the best thing for them is for you to overflow what you've been mulling on all day right. onto them. Well, and I think too, that's why new Christians sometimes are often the most evangelistic as far as telling other people because they're like, wow, and they're just so yeah. on fire. And it's like, they don't know anything but their story. Yep, that's right. That's what they know. They know the basics and their story. And somewhere we get mixed up and that we, like you said before, complicate it too yeah. much. Yeah. Well, you, that, 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 I don't know what the stat is today. This is dated, but a few years old they may be barnard so don't go you can go fact check it i don't know what the new stat is but it was something like 95 percent of christians will do all of their evangelizing in the first two years of their faith wow um and then yeah. after that like the average person of faith will lead one person to jesus over their entire lifetime of faith 
Um, and, and you think about that and it's like, if we truly believe we have the greatest story ever, if we believe we've got the greatest story in history, um, if we believe the scriptures we read to be true, then why are we not trying to tell anybody and everybody we can like, no, no, you don't understand. You've got to hear this. Like it's, it's something you can't help but tell somebody else about. And I tell people all the time, I'm like, it's your story. Tell it. Like, yeah. It, that's what I, I think it was Francis Chan years ago. Was like, he loves the Bible because he, his, his life fits in it because scripture's messy. And I'm like, you know, you got, you got murderers, you got adulterers, you've got liars, cheats, steal. Like mm. these guys are a hot mess. These women are a hot mess. And like, I'm like, yep, that's me. Yeah. You know? Well, what happens is like the church is like something we do, not what we are. Yeah. It's like just another thing. Oh yeah. I go to church. It's not like all encompassing. This is, you know, my identity is part of the church. We don't see it that, you know, it's like, oh, it's just one more thing. Well, it's yeah, that's something happens. that, yeah, that's something Adam and I have emphasized over and over again with our people at Rhythm is it, the church is an identity more than it's an activity. Right. Yeah. That's what it is. It's, it really is who we are. And I, I'm not offended when somebody says, yeah, let's go to church. I'm not about changing the, you don't have to say we are, the. I'm not going to blow up right. in your face. <laughs> If you, say, if you say that. The wrong lingo. Yeah, the wrong lingo. However, you know, we we are. that That's our identity. A, co- a collection of people who are being called out by the living God for the sake of the world. And I know that I know that you haven't lived in Tucson full time. And, and I know that it's going to be a fresh context. But one of our goals in doing this podcast this season is to hear from local and global leaders on, on what they're discerning the Holy Spirit is saying to them in this season of ministry about living into this element of the church. You know, how do we, what, what, how are you discerning? And so I'm asking you both specifically, how are you discerning your hopes for the future yeah. in Tucson, right? So you're coming in with fresh eyes to the valley, and I'm sure that God is stirring up something, either an image or something in scripture or just a theme that keeps coming up, but what what is your hope for the church specifically locally in the Phoenix Tucson area what are you hoping for yeah well tucson is not in the valley you are we're actually uh we're <laughs> we're at 3300 feet where we are so you actually don't go down to tucson you go up to tucson <laughs> so, go up to tucson uh, you can stay in the valley we're going to go to the peak um <laughs> Uh, actually, actually, there's a couple things for me, and I, obviously, Laura's got a different per- perspective because she's not been there nearly as much as I have been. But um, Tucson is the 12th largest unchurched city in America. So, in Pima County, there's a million people. 850,000 of them don't know Jesus. Um, so, Matt, you you know our heartbeat. Our heartbeat's lost people. So, yeah. Like I literally, when I'm, in, I, I've done two teaching run-throughs with our teaching team, and they're like, "You're gonna have to explain that because people aren't gonna know what you're talking about." And I'm like, "What do you mean?" Like this last weekend, I preached Abraham and Isaac, and they're like, you're going to have to explain who Abraham and Isaac are. I'm like, "Yeah, oh, so completely unchurched. And yeah. then it's the 11th largest de-churched city in America. So, And both of those numbers are behind San Francisco and Portland, which are 14 to 15. So for me, I get people see that and they get scared. I see it and get excited. I'm like, let's go. Um, but when we were there, we took a drive up to the top of Mount Lemmon, which is about 10,000 feet. And it only takes like, what, 45 minutes to get up there. Um, And we get to the top and then we come down and there's this place called the Windy Point um, Vista that you can, basically you can look out all over all of Tucson. And uh, I just had that moment where Jesus stood over Jerusalem and wept. Um, Like I had that moment over Tucson, like 
he, he's looking out over the city weeping, but I don't think he's weeping tears of sorrow. I think it's tears of joy because I think they're, they just keep, the thing that keeps going in my head for the last three months is take back Tucson. The, the guy's just like, take back Tucson for the gospel, take back Tucson for the gospel. Um, and every time I pre, you know, my preaching style, I'm a narrative. Let's go through scripture. Let's make it come to life. Every time I get done, people are like, that was a lot of script. I've never heard that much scripture in my life. And I'm like, well, that's not true because I know who preaches there before me and they, they <laughs> preach just as much scripture, but because I narratively do it, people are like, and I'm trying to make it come to life in their context. I'm seeing this excitement and this light bulb go off in their heads of like, oh, we can actually live this out. Yeah, you can live it out. So for me, I'm looking at the opportunity everywhere I go, like Dutch Brothers Coffee, you know, Dutch Brothers in Phoenix. Yeah. Um, I stopped there instead of Starbucks. I, the morning we, the mornings we were there, we went over Thanksgiving there as a family. At 5 a.m. we were up because we're three hours, two time hours change. later, time change. That's right. So I'm at the same Dutch Brothers every morning. The second day, the girl behind the counter, she's like, so, so what do you, or do you live here? And I'm like, well, I'm about to move here. And uh, she, we got to talking and I was like, actually, I'm going to be a pastor at a church on the, on the east side. And she was like, oh man, that's cool. Like she wasn't, she wasn't like adversarial towards the gospel or church. And uh, she was like, I've heard of that place. I had a friend go there. And I was like, oh, have you ever been to church? She goes, I've never been to church. And I was like, like, you don't go regularly? She's like, no, I've never been. I yeah. was like, Christmas, Easter? She's like, no, never been. No. I was like, well, why not? She goes, she stood there for a minute. She goes, I guess nobody asked me. Wow. And I said, will you come next Sunday? I'm preaching. And she was like, sure. I mean, it was that, it was that simple. And I was like, in the Midwest, man, you'd be, you'd have to ask, answer a hundred questions about your theological stance on this and this. And, and I was like, she was just like, nobody invited me, you know? Yeah. So for me, I'm excited about, I think yeah. God is looking to reclaim and recover. Well, not only that, to tag along to what you just said, what's really interesting about the area as well, it's very, I, I, I words are escaping me right now. <laughs> what is like the word? Um, people kind of come and go, like they don't Transient. always, thank you. <laughs> <There> <laughs> I know there's a word. Yeah. Uh, she, I worked all day. Hard. Give me a break. She, she's the hard. one that's really good with words. <laughs> words are hard at this time. No, um, sorry. Transient society. Back yes. on, I got you back. So there's just this really unique opportunity to tap into unchurched people that aren't going to be there for very long and are going to disperse. Mm -hmm. And so you get these people on fire and then they're going to go other places and be on fire other places. So yeah. I feel like there's this really neat opportunity to reach people even further than what we imagine because of that. Because, yeah. you know, oh, I'm only going to be here for, you know, two years, but you get somebody on fire and then they move and there's, you know, keep that fire and wherever they go. And so you have all yes. these little sparks of fire everywhere. So I think there's like this really neat opportunity to reach beyond even the area that we're not even really even thinking about right yeah. now. Well, yeah, I love because... that about uh, student ministries like that. Yeah. You, right. you know, you have them for four years yep. and I don't see that as a disadvantage. I, I no. see that no. as, no, you have, you have four years yeah. to, and you're to gonna train and them up and send them out. And if they stay right. there longer than four years, that's a problem. You got to we'll go back. <laughs> yeah. We'll go back to the word we, we started with where you're unleashing them to go. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's a guy in our church. He, he's the, one of the heads of the forest, like national parks, forestry. So I don't know, some big wig. Um, but the, it's yeah. controlled burn season in the mountain. And so 
he was explaining to me, we start fires on purpose and then we take part of that fire that we've started and we move it to another spot and start another fire with it. And there are all these controlled burns that take place all over the side of the mountain so that when fire season comes, they, yeah. they've created a firewall so the fire doesn't get to all the places it shouldn't go. And I, I just, what Laura just said, kind of no pun intended, but sparked that same thing. That's uh-huh. funny. Um, <laughs> that same thing for me of like, we're, we're just setting control burns and then we're going to lift that fire and go places somewhere else to let it burn. Uh, yeah. The key is, is that when they, when they leave our context or your context, I pray to God, they don't go somewhere where they throw water on them because there's so many people that get really, really fired up. And we, we've got a huge air force base in Tucson and an army base. Um, and it is very transient. And the problem is, is you get people boom on fire and they're lit up, they're ready to go. Um, and then they go to another church in another town and some board of elders or some pastor or some group of people, um, tells them, well, that's not how we do church here. And then they throw water on top of them and then they're done. And they, they may or may not walk back in or they'll call you every other week going, Oh, I just wish we had a church like yours here or a pastor like you here. And I'm like, well, first of all, you got the same scripture I do. So open it up, go read it and go back to doing what you're doing. Um, but I, I'm so tired go of people. Yeah. Go yeah. be the church. I'm so tired of people getting their fire put out by people that should be stoking it. Yeah. I, I'm also very captivated by your phrase earlier when you said, take back Tucson. Uh, I love the idea of that. I mean, that image of redemption that it yeah. all does. Yeah belong to God. He's the creator and the sustainer. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we've become pretty deistic in terms of viewing God, not as close, but far away. And, uh, when you said that it reminded me that, you know, that Abraham Kuyper quote from like 1880, where he says, there's not a square inch in the whole domain of human existence over which Christ, who is the Lord of all does not exclaim mine. Yep. That's mine. Yep. And yeah. so, dude, I'm praying that with you and Laura and your girls, that the Holy Spirit empowers you to take back Tucson, to yeah. experience redemption for the glory of God and the good of that city, for the people who are not yet a part of the family. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Life and Rhythm podcast. We are on mission to live freely and lightly with one another for the good of others. Peace.